minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode 683 of the Pack a Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I have two special guests today. The first is Jimmy Christensen. He is a writer for Packer Report. You can follow him on Twitter at Jimmy underscore C08. And I'm also joined by your Green Bay Packers starting right guard, Billy Turner. You can follow him on Twitter at Big underscore Mountain 77. He is currently teaming up with Kind Energy Foundation to help combat the coronavirus. Jimmy, Billy, thank you so much for joining me today. I could not be more excited for this podcast. Uh, Billy, I'll start with you. How are you doing? Doing all right, man. Um, I'm alive, so, you know, it all is well for now. I can certainly appreciate that, and we have a lot to get to today. Before we get to that, Jimmy, I'll introduce you as well. How are things going, and uh, how is your writing going for Packer Report? Uh, everything's, everything's going pretty well so far. Uh, I have an interview with Kadar Holman uh, coming out tomorrow, so all the writing's been going good, just hanging out with the family and staying safe. Excellent. Well, again, I, I'm so excited to, to kick off this episode. Uh, you know, Billy, I, I want to start off today by saying this is a Packers podcast. We, for 365 days a year, we talk Green Bay Packer football ad nauseum. We break down every possible detail we can break down. But I thought Matt LaFleur this weekend put it in a way perfectly when he said, simply, there's some things that are bigger than football. And we're certainly in a time frame in a period right now where there's a lot going on that's a lot bigger than football. And I'm wondering if you can just kind of walk us through the past two weeks, your emotions, what's been going through your mind how have you felt over the course of the last couple weeks you know um unfortunately i'd love to tell you that the last two weeks i have felt differently than i have throughout periods of my almost 29 year life but you know uh the, the world that we live in more specifically the country that we live in, that is just not the case. You know, I, and again, I'd love to say that I've felt a little bit differently than I have in the past, but, you know, in, in today's society, no different than the society that humans were a part of 400 years ago, 80 years ago during the civil rights movement, things, uh, unfortunately have not changed for, people of color for minorities you know they have there has been strides that have been made 100 percent, but that has not stopped the public execution of black men women and children and minorities of all kinds in america and around the world yeah i appreciate you sharing that and uh, you know one of your adversaries uh, across the defensive line for the chicago bears akeem hicks was recently interviewed and he said, I feel like I've been censored my whole life. So for me to feel like I have to keep people at ease to make sure there's a calm while I'm in the room, those are natural things to me. And these things were taught to me in a way, right? Because at an early age, not just being a larger kid, but a larger black kid, I was seen as the antagonist in a lot of situations. I was seen as the bully. I was seen as a person, you know, just not in the best light. Developing my mindset going forward, I understood uh, excuse me, I understood always that I had to make other people feel comfortable before myself. 
I'm going to continue to do that. I'm going to continue to make sure people feel comfortable around me. Is it unfortunate that I have to live that way? Call it what you want, but I do it because that's how I'm able to move through society and have people okay with me. Now, Billy, you are a six, six foot five, 300 pound black male. You are not a small person and you have grown up in suburban Minnesota and you've played in North Dakota, you've played in Denver, you've played in Green Bay. These are predominantly white communities to say the least. Have you had similar experiences to Akeem Hicks and kind of walk me through what Akeem was saying there a little bit? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think it's just something that me and Akeem have dealt with. I think it's a, a lot of black males, a lot of minorities have dealt with their entire lives, regardless of where you grew up and how you grew up. Um, you know, the area that I grew up in, um, you know, the Minneapolis, St. Paul area is very diverse. The school that I went to was not as diverse. I went to one of the better public schools in the Midwest region and Mountview High School. And, you know, I went there because my parents wanted me to get a good education. Um, you know, but with that being said, when I was in middle school approaching high school, my brother was in high school. There was a couple racially motivated bomb threats that went through the public school system and the Moundsview school district at the time. And my parents were getting ready to pull us out of school and send us to a private school on the inner city because they were just kind of sick of dealing with, you know, issues that, you know, have happened over the course of our lives at that point, especially when it comes to their children. So, you know, to, to, to touch on what Akeem was saying is 100 percent true. And it's unfortunate, you know, because living my life, him living his life, we, we do have to essentially censor and kind of put up a guard, so to speak, of who we are. You know, it's hard to uh, necessarily just be yourself and speak your, speak your mind at all times, because if you do, you're going to get viewed in a different light. And it's not necessarily you're going to get viewed in a different light because of your opinions, you know, a lot of people have opinions, but a lot of people are part of the majority in this world and their opinions are their opinions and they don't really necessarily get viewed differently because of them. So with that being said, you know, whether I'm in a classroom and I'm the only African-American uh, kid of minority in the classroom and someone around me makes a noise or a joke or laughs or does something, you know, who do you think they're going to look at initially? They're going to look at me and not to say that that's been the story of my life, but you know what, there's been times throughout the, the course of my education and my schooling career, if you may, whether it be elementary, middle or high school, when, you know, yeah, 100% I was talking in class at times, but not all the time. And I for sure got in trouble certain times for other people around me making noises and laughing, so to speak, doing whatever, disrupting the class. And, you know, I don't want to say that I was to blame, but, you know, the teacher turns around and says, you know, who was that, et cetera. You know, who do you think is going to raise their hand? Usually no one. You know, you're in high school, right? So there, there's plenty of instances that, you know, come across my memory ways, if you may, that I, I, I think about and they're things that, you know, looking back at them now or, you know, not things that I am proud of. I could have stood up and said something at that time. But, you know, to be completely honest with you, if I were to stand up and to say something, I probably would have got detention either way, you know, so not necessarily that it would have made the situation any better or any worse. But at that point in time, it's just kind of a respect thing and an understanding that you're not going to be in the right no matter what. So and to touch on 
just being in public and not being an African-American man, but just to be a large person, you're noticed. Like, you can't hide from anyone, you know? So people, people get nervous when there's people around them that are different, whether that's your skin color, whether that's, uh, you know, the sex that you go by in this world or whether that is your ethnicity or your religion, anything, like even if you have tattoos, like if you look different, you're going to get looked at differently and you're going to get noticed and people are going to stare at you. And that has been something that I've dealt with my whole life. Now, with that being said, being out in public, getting stared at, it's like you're under a microscope the entire time. People are going to look at you and their initial thought is going to be, oh, this guy is intimidating. Look at how big he is, man. This guy, you know, could hurt me. This guy could do that, blah, blah, blah. But they don't truly know who you are as a person down to your soul, down to your core. So those are just the first thoughts. And what do you have to do moving forward from that point in time? You know, a lot of times, I hate to say it, but people do judge books by the cover. Unfortunately, that is just kind of how America is and how the world is. So if I walk into a store and, you know, there's 40 people in the room, honestly, 35 to 37 of them are probably going to turn their heads and stare at me. It happens every time I walk into a restaurant. If I do not smile, they're going to get scared. If I smile and I act, you know, I have a sense of happiness and a sense of I see you staring at me, but it doesn't affect me. And I just kind of carry on being a positive person. Then they, they kind of, you know, ease up a little bit. And honestly, it's not something that I like about society, you know, but it's something that has been true for me my entire life. And, you know, my friends that are around me that are not minorities, that they see it happen. And every time they see it, they just it's almost like they're disgusted, you know, because they don't see it all the time and they don't even notice it until I bring it up. And there might be a conversation that's had. But once people do notice it, then it's like, you know, they almost feel like it's something that it's their issue to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Like, no, it's not them staring like, yeah, we're friends, we're acquaintances, you know, whatever. But you know what? These people that are staring at me, they look just like you, you know? So with that being said, they feel that it's almost an issue and it's no different than kind of what's going on right now. And that if you don't stand up, you're part of the problem, which, you know, I agree with some of it. I don't agree with all of it, but it's kind of in that same realm because, you know, these people who stare, these people who immediately jump to conclusions, you know, are, are people that look like these other people that I'm going out with. Any of my white friends, anyone that is part of the majority of the population of this world, it's just a little bit different, you know. So uh, Akeem is exactly right. And you know what? Uh, unfortunately, again, we can't always act exactly how we want to, because if we take a step out of line and we aren't those happy, those positive people out in the public being as big as we are, we're going to get looked at. And there's potential danger in that for us as black men. Well, yeah, I listening to you talk is you're you've been one of the players. A lot of them have been um, coming out and talking and addressing these issues. And you've been one using your platform um, a lot. So I appreciate all the insight you've been giving everyone. Uh, and you mentioned having conversations with your friends to kind of bring these things to light and have a better understanding on this. How do you feel the how have the meetings been within the Packers organization? 
They've been uh, they've been good, man. You know, our coaches, our coaching staff did a good job. Basically, essentially, what you said, Matt, you know, came out and said there's bigger issues than football that exist in life and around the world at all times. And you know, our offensive line coach Adam Stenovich, he he does a good job. You know, whether it's during the season, there's an issue like before we start any meetings, we just casually kind of talk about what's going on in society, in the world or any pressing issues. And, you know, last week was no different than that. It's just that, you know, the issues that were going on hit a little close to home for some of us. And it's an issue that continues to happen that, you know, him and the rest of the coaching staff felt like was way bigger than football. So we just took the entire day and we just sat down and had a conversation. Do you feel the organization and Mark Murphy are kind of making steps in the right direction with um, being vocal on social media? Uh, I know Mark Murphy donated um, $250,000. The Packers donated $250,000. Do you feel like they're moving in the right direction? You know, I, I do think that there's a lot of people moving in the right direction. You know, I'm, I'm very happy to see a lot of people speak up, you know, donate money, etc. You know, but you know, money, donating money, yes, that's going to help. That money's going to hopefully go to um, great organizations, a lot of people in need, and it's going to help those people recover, whether it's from the rioting, the looting, or whether it's going to issues to fight systemic racism or racism of all kinds. You know, but with that being said, this issue as a whole is a lot bigger than money itself. Yeah. This issue is about the human race and, you know, society. And essentially, it's how you raise your children. It's how you raise your children, because racism is something I believe is taught. It's taught at a young age. You know, on top of that, there is a divide in our community. You know, there's a divide and there's a divide amongst races 100 percent. But I personally believe if you look at it down to a deeper level, it's not necessary that it's always a divide in race, but it's a divide in the economy. It's a divide in money. And I'm not talking about Republicans, Democrats. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about rich and poor. Mm. You know, the people who are rich in this society and rich in regards to wealth, in regards to money, not, not rich in regards to, you know, having a positive mental attitude, you know, at all times, kind of speaking of the Bob Marley era there that, that's kind of how he you know spoke about wealth but you know rich in america the, the stereotypical rich when it comes to wealth that is where the divide in this country happens a lot of the time in my opinion and it, it, it's tough because people who have money almost look down on people who do not have money and that should not be the case. It shouldn't matter how much money you have, and it should not matter the color of your skin or your sexual orientation. You should be respected regardless of all of those things. When you walk into a restaurant, you know, you shouldn't be given extra service, and, and the bartender or anyone in that establishment should not be nicer to you because you have money. That, that's a respect thing. You know, and it does boil down to money, I think, which is a problem, but that's always going to exist. So with that being said, I think you take that element away from it because you're always going to have people who make more money and people who make less money. Now, when it comes to the next part of this, I believe that, you know, there can be steps that are taken to move forward. But with that being said, those steps don't get taken, you know, by the people in this country necessarily that are 
let's call it ages 40, 50, 60 and up. And I don't mean that in a bad way. There's definitely strides and steps that can be taken. And there's definitely, you know, things that can move in the right direction and ripples, if you may, that can be made by people who are, you know, 40 and up. But the younger generations in this world are the ones that are going to make a difference. You know, if you raise your son to be to, to not like African-Americans or minorities or to see color, then he's going to grow up and he's going to act that way for the rest of his life, unfortunately. So I think it's the younger generation that we need to try to come up with a unique way, a positive and a creative way to make a difference through them. And whether that is the schooling system, whether that is, you know, parenting, et cetera, that's where I think this issue takes strides forward. So, and this is going a little off of our script that we had, but you've, you've mentioned parenting and things like that. And just honestly, as I have a, I have a young daughter, like what are things I can do as a parent to kind of make sure everything's going in the right direction then? You know, that, that, that's a great question. And I think that's a, that's a topic, uh, not a topic, but something that is a little bit harder for younger parents to uh, discuss with their children, because at the end of the day, you know, how do you have a conversation with a, a three, four, five, six, seven year old, you know, during crucial points in their lives where they're learning so much, they soak up so much information, they watch everything, everything that you say, everything they see on the news, everything around the house, whether you're in public or not, they soak up everything and they learn so much throughout those pivotal points in their life. So having that conversation with your child during those ages, and I don't think it's just one conversation, it's got to be multiple conversations. Because when your son, your daughter, your child goes to school and you're not around them, things are going to happen at school. Things are going to happen in public or when they're at their friend's house that is not in your control. They're going to see things and they're going to you know, witness things that you cannot control. So I think that the conversation that you have with your child is something that you know, isn't a, just a one-time thing. It's a conversation that needs to be brought up a couple times, maybe in a, a different way, but you know, honestly, when it comes to my family, when it comes to my brothers and the people around me who have children, you know, I've witnessed them having conversations with their children. And it's not that it's like the, you know, the, the, the sex education talk. Like it doesn't have to be, you know, super in depth like that. But it's when you do see instances and things that are going on throughout media right now, especially on TV. And you might notice your child watching or your child might ask a question like, oh, mommy, why is that building burning down? You know, why is that building? Why did that building get destroyed? You take situations like that and you just speak to them no differently than you do right now. You speak to them like a child, but you dumb it down in a way to make them understand. And honestly, that's going to be different for every family. It's going to be different for every parent. And the conversation is going to be completely different for everyone. You know, but I do believe that it starts with the parenting and with the children, because they are going to be the generations that do eventually run this world and run our country. So if we can have them see society and see humanity working in the correct way, in a peaceful and equal way, then when they have children, they're going to teach them the same thing, you know, and it's not going to be because they have to, it's going to be natural at that point. Yeah, no, I'd appreciate that because um, my wife and I, that's just been something that's been, uh, kind of on our hearts lately, trying to make sure we, uh, we raise children to be part of the solution, not the problem. Right. Um, but to kind of go back, uh, back to what 
what we were kind of planned for today. Uh, we talked a little bit about the Packers response. Uh, how do you feel the, how do you feel about the NFL's response to this? I know some players had the video saying what they wanted to hear from the NFL and Goodell, and he came out with a video uh, re- reiterating what, what they wanted to hear. But how do you feel the NFL's response has been? You know what? The NFL can respond how they may. It's tough for me to listen to them when it comes to issues like this just because of how they responded in the past with the mm. Colin Kaepernick peaceful protesting that occurred a couple of years ago. Um, They took their stand then. And, you know, as a black man being a part of the shield that is the NFL, it's hard for me to forget what was done. You know, when I have to go into a meeting room and have our organization tell us that the NFL is going to find you if you kneel or find you if you protest. And if you're going to do that, then you need to go inside the locker room or go in the tunnel during the national anthem then, you know, everything else after that, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt, unfortunately. So that being said, something's going to have to be done. Whether they allow us to peacefully protest, whether they allow us to kneel, they're going to have to figure out a way for us either not to be fined or it's going to come down to organizations around the NFL at that point who are going to say, you know what, we understand that this is a peaceful protest. We do not agree with the NFL in this stance. So if you guys do peacefully protest if you do kneel etc we will pay those fines we will cover it for you you know but when you think about it in a situation like that i mean thinking of the texans owner thinking of the the los angeles clippers owner some of the comments that they have had in the past in regards to race and and equality you know what there's going to be organizations that do not do that and then that's when you come more issues decide to pop up and there's going to be players and there's going to be organizations who don't see eye to eye. And that's when the water gets muddy, so to speak, I think. So it'll be interesting to see what the NFL does moving forward. If they do take a stance and they do change, you know, that uh, situation that happened a couple of years ago. But, you know, I'm very intrigued to see what the NFL does. And I'm also very intrigued to see if any NFL organizations, NBA, et cetera, come out and do say that, you know what, we're not going to wait for the NFL. We're not going to wait for, you know, the, the NBA to take another stance on this. We're telling you guys now uh, ahead of them having to come out and say something that we do respect you and we do support you and we are not going to find you. And if they do find us, we're going to cover that for you. Do you think there is a chance for the relationship to kind of be mended with the NFL and a lot of the players because of the stance? Or do you kind of think it's just something where, like you said, they, they already kind of took their stance and everything else is kind of going to be looked at as a, a publicity thing at this point. Honestly, unfortunately, I think a lot of it's going to be publicity. Um, there should be no reason that it took this many African-Americans, Americans or humans at that to lose their life and the country to have another uproar. No different than Rodney King in 1992, no different than Baltimore, you know, it shouldn't have taken all of these things to happen for the NFL to say they were wrong, you know, because from that standpoint, it's like, well, what did you think before this? Did you just think that it was okay that African-Americans and minorities were losing their lives and getting killed by police officers? Because the rate has not changed at which black men get targeted and killed by the police versus white men. It's not changed. So what did you think years ago? All of a sudden, it's different because it's the whole country and the country's going up into flames. Cities are going up into flames like it's different now. You know what I mean? So that's where, 
you know, me personally, I, I just, I don't understand it because I don't understand how you can think differently now than you did then. I understand that people change situations are different. Yes. 100%. Like I, I get that, but that situation is just hard for me, especially, you know, being the NFL, having so many African-Americans and minorities that are part of that, all the organizations in the business that is the NFL. Like, I mean, come on, that just, that, that's just not appropriate. That's just not respectful, at least in, from my point of view. That's what I think. And then when you have someone like Colin Kaepernick, who is a great quarterback, who loses his job essentially and is blackballed from the NFL for taking a peaceful stance, a stance that he communicated with war veterans and people of the military and in the service ahead of time. Like, look, was he doing anything violent? No, he was just doing something that people, part of the majority did not want to see him do, you know, and and they were offended by it, unfortunately. And he was not doing anything wrong. He was not out, you know, burning buildings, rioting, etc. You know, what he was doing was taking a knee because there is a divide in this country. And with that divide, it forces, you know, people to lose their lives, people who should never lose their lives. Mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick took a knee, a peaceful knee. George Floyd had his neck knelt on and lost his life for what? You yeah. know, well, this is uh, this is really powerful, Billy, and I, I can't thank you enough for your transparency and your passion. Um, these are obviously incredibly heavy topics, and, and for you to come on and, and speak with us uh, about it, it, it again is really really important. And I can't thank you enough. Um, I do want to ask you, does this feel different this time around? You kind of may alluded to it earlier that you're seeing, you know, some positive come out of this. Does it feel different? And have you found hope in the recent worldwide response to this? And you kind of touched on this as well as to what next steps are. I know a lot of people that, you know, you said this is bigger than money and um, a lot of people have had the opportunity to donate. Um, but as you mentioned, actions are going to speak louder than words are going to speak louder than money. It's going to take next steps. You brought education into this, uh, educating the youth of America to kind of be uh, hopefully educated to not make the same mistakes that some are in the world today um do you see uh do you see clear steps to moving forward and what's just kind of your general thought on that you know you know kind of like you touched on i do have hope that this is all moving in the right direction it's tough to say because if you do look back throughout the course of history there's been situations like this that have occurred things like this have happened Buildings have been set ablaze. People have lost their lives. People have looted all types of retail stores. You know, uh, white supremacists have been running around the country, threatening people, uh, you know, lynching people. You know, all of these things have happened throughout history, throughout the last 80 years, throughout the last 400. So when you look back at history and you look at pivotal points in time and and the things that have happened you know martin luther king and malcolm x you know they did march they did protest strides were taken it's tough to say though at any given time when progress is going to be made they did not know that progress was going to be made back then when martin luther king gave his i have a dream speech and marched You know, Malcolm X and everything that he did, he did not know necessarily that things were going to change. If anything, more things changed after their lives were taken from them. 
you know, uh, Baltimore, when that when their city was being burned to the ground, et cetera, they didn't know if anything was going to change. And if you ask me, nothing has changed. They were hopeful that it would, but it has not. And the last four, five, six, seven years have proven that. So can we sit here and say that everything that's happening right now is making a difference? No, I don't think that we can say that with 100% truth and honesty behind it, because we do not know the future. But what we can say is that with technology and media the way that it is now, there's definitely more people who are enlightened and there has been a light that has been shined on everything that is going on. So I do believe that more people are aware of the issue at hand now than there were, you know, two or three years ago. Yes. You know, whether or not that makes a difference, I do not know. It's up to the the human race and it's up to society to make sure that this is not just a two or three week or month long issue. This is a lifetime issue. Racism exists. Yes. And it's always going to exist. It's not going anywhere, unfortunately. But when it comes to equality and the killing of innocent minorities, more specifically black men, women, and children, that needs to stop. That is, those are the strides that, you know, undoubtedly we hope that are taken you know and everything else when it comes to equality yes we want equality 100 percent. and equality does speak to men and women losing their lives but if we could just have men and women and, uh, and children of all races you know n- not losing their lives that would be the biggest victory that i think anyone at any given point in history of the entire planet earth as long as it exists that's going to be the biggest victory that there is You know, but unfortunately, people do make mistakes and that is not possible. So, you know, with that being said, I'm very hopeful that strides are going to be taken in the right direction. But honestly, the future is the answer and we won't know until six months from now, a year from now, etc. If anything was changed or any progress was made. Yeah, and I certainly appreciate that. And I'm heartbroken in a lot of ways that the, the uh, one of the main victories has to be that we should no longer be killing minorities. It seems so inherently simple that that should not be the case. But unfortunately, we're at a place in a time that that actually has to be said, which is, like I said, unfortunate to say the least. Um, again, I am so appreciative of your responses to these questions. It seems uh, trivial in comparison to ask you anything Packer related, but um, with this being a, a Packers themed podcast, would love to to kind of pick your brain on just a few quick Packers questions if you have a, a couple extra seconds. Um, and, and I'll let Jin, Jimmy kind of kick that off with uh, a quick one here. Yeah, so with going into year two with the Packers and Matt LaFleur having a second year with his uh, with the team, have you guys had, with quarantine and everything, a lot more downtime to be able to dive into that offense and with the Zoom meetings kind of expand on Matt LaFleur's offense a little bit? Yeah, you can definitely tell that, you know, this is not the first time that all of us are kind of moving forward and going into this process. So with that being said, And what I mean by that is going through these meetings, whether it's installing plays, you can tell that there's more details that are being discussed and there's things that have been changed from that point in time where last year when they were installed, you know, so they're definitely seeing things and they're definitely refining their system and their offense. And, you know, kudos to the coaches for, you know, taking the time, you know, to actually dig down and to get into these details and not just being, you know, a coach saying that, you know, this is our offense. This is how we're going to execute it. It's not going to change. You guys need to go out there and you need to perform it. You know, you know what? 
the offense of game in the NFL changes a little bit every year. Same with the defensive game. You know, certain things have more success. More certain defenses have more success. There's new things that are created. So you got to be able to adjust on the fly. But the offseason is a great time to actually dive into the details and, and to kind of, you know, shine a light on all the issues that you had during the season. But not only to shine a light, but to fix them and to be able to move forward into the future of the offense and to execute them in the proper way. So going into next year, do you have a goal, like a personal goal for the offense? Uh, honestly, to be more powerful than we were this last year. You know, I think we were a great offense this last year, but I think there's a lot of things that we left out there. I think we have a, a lot of potential as we showed last year, but, you know, throughout our, our last season, uh, we were a great offense, but, you know, th there was a lot that was left on the field. And not only as an offense, just as a team, you know, it, it's hard to find one game where we did play all four quarters and all three phases of the game being offense, defense, special teams start to finish at a great and a high level. And that's tough to do in the NFL, but, you know, that's what every team strides for. So, you know, I, I would love to see us not just as an offense, but as a team move forward into this next year and to just kind of solidify ourselves in all three phases of the game. And then, Billy, you know, one of the questions that I ask everyone, so sorry to kind of put you on the spot here a little bit, but uh, what is there one player on the roster? Maybe you can name a couple if you would like. Uh, is there a player on the roster who you feel is really ready to take that next step? Maybe someone who was coming on in practice towards the end of last season, or maybe somebody that's been really uh, kicking ass in the Zoom calls, if that's possible. Uh, anyone that you think is really kind of ready to take that next step? Uh, you know, I mean, on these Zoom calls, it's honestly, it's positionally based, so I, I can't speak to everyone. But speaking of, you know, on the last season and the things that I noticed on our team, um, Elton Jenkins, obviously a great player as a rookie. You know, I think you make the biggest steps and the biggest strides forward and, you know, from year one to two and even year two to three in some cases. So I'm excited to see him take his game to the next level. And I think he is going to. He's been a little bit more outspoken in these meetings and you can tell that he wants to learn more and he does want to take that step forward. So I'm excited for him. Um, Alan Lazard, you know, came on strong last year and kind of showed not only the team, but showed the league that he can be a dominant receiver in this league, especially with the big frame and the body that he carries on the field and, you know, being as nimble as he has with that frame. So I'm excited to see him take that next step forward going into this next season. And those are just some of the guys on the offense that, you know, from last season kind of seeing what they did and knowing how hungry they are and just kind of knowing them as people, you know, I'm just excited for them to take that next step forward. Yeah, I've had the chance to put on some Alan Lazard tape recently and just kind of watching him a little bit more. And I really do not believe that last year was a, a fluke or a one-year wonder for him. Yeah, he put a lot of really great stuff on tape. And I'm uh, like you, I'm really excited to see what he's going to be able to do moving forward. And it's great to hear uh, how hungry he is. And, I, you know, you could tell that. Um, and you could see, you know, somebody who was released before training camp a season ago and then went on to get his way back on the roster. And not only that, but make an impact as the season went along a, a fairly significant impact as the season went along. I think that was one of the really great stories of a season ago. Billy, thank you so incredibly much for your time. Tell us how we can support you and your efforts. Um, I know you are working with the Kind Energy Foundation. Can you walk us through that a little bit and what you kind of plan on doing moving forward? Yeah, so uh, the Kind Energy, the, the nonprofit that me and my childhood friend Nick started, uh, we came up with the Kindness for COVID campaign, and that was to help COVID, you know, uh, awareness and to help raise 
money for PPE for all the frontline workers that were out there, you know, helping us fight this fight that still exists today in this pandemic. Um, that campaign closed, I believe, yesterday or on Friday. And moving forward, we're now sitting down this week to have uh, conversations to come up with a great way to help us fight, you know, racial inequality and to help bring justice and to help just bring equality as a whole, not only to the minority community, but just to the human race as a whole. You know, so we're, we're in talks right now with a couple of different people that want to collaborate with us to do something. And, you know, moving forward, we will have something that is done in regards to help us with this fight. That is another pandemic that has been in existence for the last 400 years when it comes to racial inequality. And that's going to be our next step moving forward is to help the public in that way. Um, the exact way yet, I'm not entirely sure about that, but there will be something that is done by Kind Energy to help combat this fight. And if uh, people want to support that cause, where can they go to donate? Uh, you can go to kindenergyfoundation.com. That is where you'll find the information uh, moving forward. Whenever there is a new campaign or something else that we're going to be starting up, we'll definitely make sure we put it out on our social media, et cetera. And then on top of that, I'm probably going to be doing something uh, with the team, call it a campaign, a movement or something like that. There'll probably be some media attention behind it, but I'm looking to hopefully get that started up this week to give uh, the Green Bay Packers organization, my teammates and players, an opportunity to help me in cleaning up and to giving giving back to this Twin Cities area that was, you know, brutally destructed over the last two weeks. Uh, we certainly appreciate the efforts that you're doing in the community. Um, I do want to let you know that uh, on behalf of the Pack-A-Day podcast, we are going to be making a 277 uh, for your number, 77, $277 donation to the Kind Energy Project. Um, and I sincerely appreciate all that you are doing in the community. I sincerely appreciate you as a person for coming on today. Um, you've been absolutely tremendous, so I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate your guys' time, and I appreciate you thinking of me wanting to allow me to, you know, have this platform to get out there and to let, you know, people of the world understand my point of view. And, and you know, definitely if you guys want to do this again or need anything else from me, don't hesitate to ask and reach out. I appreciate that greatly. Uh, for those of you who want to get involved, again, you can go to the Kind Energy Foundation uh, and make a donation, support uh, Billy in any way that you can. You can follow Billy on Twitter at big underscore mountain 77. Uh, Jimmy, before we get out of here, tell us again where we can follow you and what you got coming out from a writing standpoint. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, Jimmy underscore C08. You can follow me there. All my writing will be there. I have an interview with Kadar Holman coming out uh, tomorrow. Uh, and then a couple, uh, I should be talking with MBS this week as well. So I should have a couple more player interviews coming out, which I'm really excited for. And uh, just really quick, Billy, I really appreciate you hopping on, man. It, last time talking was great. Um, every time I talk with you, I feel like I'm talking to one of the smartest people in the world. You always, you always have a lot of great insight and uh, just the, you're a genuine person and it's always, it's just nice to see. So I really appreciate you hopping on. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Same to you. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, a lot of people listening to this will have learned as much as Jimmy and I did today. Um, this was tremendous. Uh, I'm sorry that, uh, unfortunately, the topic had to be so weighty and serious. It would be great if we lived in a society where we didn't have to have these conversations, but it's absolutely important to do so. Um, this is not a time to necessarily you know, stick to football, stick to sports. Uh, there are things, as Matt LaFleur mentioned, that are bigger than sports, and I really appreciate Billy taking the time to do that today. Jimmy, keep up the phenomenal work at Packer Report. We'll look forward to those 
those interviews. For everyone listening, make sure to follow along to an all new episode of the Pack-A-Day podcast tomorrow. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go!